Come on, let's just praise the Lord right where we are, right where you are at your home in the virtual spaces that we are, right where you are. Just put your hands together. Let's just thank God for God has been so good to all of us. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's lift the atmosphere in your house right where you are. Let's praise God because we know he's worthy right where you are. Come on, let's give God some glory right where you are. God has been good to us. God is worthy of us praising him right where we are. Come on, let's lift the standard of praise right where you are. Because you know God is worthy. You know God is worthy. Come on, if you know God is worthy, come on. In your home, lift the standard of praise right where you are. As we bless the name of the Lord, we thank God. So, Lord, we come before you today to say thank you. We come to give your name all the honor, all of the glory, and all of the praise. Lord, please allow us to be taken out of self. For we need to hear from you today like never before. Lord, we need you to speak to us. Speak to our hearts, our minds, speak to our nation, oh Lord, speak to our homes, speak to us even in this virtual space that we're living in, oh Lord, that we will feel your presence, that we will feel a touch from you. Lord, someone is struggling right now, someone is going through right now, someone is at their wits end right now, someone is ready to throw in the towel right now, someone is crying, why me, Lord, right now, and Lord, I just believe that you have the power to address those needs right now if you see fit. So in the name of Jesus, we bow before you asking, oh Lord, that you will move in this place, move in this space, oh God, that you and you alone can be glorified. We thank you for what you've done already, oh Lord, as we give your name all of the honor, glory, and praise. Speak to us, oh God that transformation can take place. Speak to us, O oh God, that we can be broken from all of those chains and shackles that have been weighing us down. Speak to us, O oh Lord, that we can begin to live in you like never before. And we give you the glory. In the name of Jesus, we do pray and say, amen. Amen. Again, we thank God for being with you on, to, on today, and we give him all of the honor, glory, and praise as I stand before you or sit before you. 
um, I want you to know how grateful I am to God for God continuing to minister unto us. And I thank you for being connected to us in such a way that you allow us to know that you are praying with us and for us in the season that we're all living in right now. Listen, I want to look at this text today and I want to speak a few words to you and then I'll be out of your way. But I want to encourage you as well as challenge us today that we make sure we understand that there is a cost for revolution. There is a cost for revolting. You know that word revolution comes from the word revolt. Um, there is a cost for revolution. And I want you to see how the Lord will initiate revolution. I want you to see how the Lord will speak to us as he gives us marching orders in a season like today. And so I want you to go with me to uh, Ma Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, if you can. Go with me to Matthew chapter 21, and then I'll um, share just a few words, and then we will um, shout and praise and bless the name of the Lord together as we will then go into communion. And so wherever you are, please have your communion elements together and ready so that at the conclusion of these few words that the Lord has given me, we'll collectively be in position to partake in commemorating the great um, price that was paid on Calvary. So we thank God as we look forward um, to thanking God for Calvary. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, 13, and 14. Here is how it reads. I'm reading from the New Living Translation Bible. And here is simply what it says. Have your way, Lord. Jesus entered the temple. And begin to drive out the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scripture declares, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And just for a few moments, I want to talk from this thought. I want to talk about, I'm mad at hell. I'm mad at hell. Any, anybody know what it feels like to be mad? Come on right where you are. Anybody knows what it feels like to be mad, upset, ticked off? Mad. I'm, I'm simply mad. Listen, as I begin to unfold the scene of this text, I want to remind us that at the onset of this text of the cost of revolution, here is what it allows us to know, that when we look at history, we'll discover that we have revolutionaries that did not live to get what we consider to be old. I, I want to name just a few, and I think it's important for us to see, uh, because if you go back in time, you'll discover that Nat Turner died, he was hung, should I say, at the age of 31. Megger Evers was assassinated, he was shot, at the age of 37. 
Malcolm X, you know the story. He was assassinated. He was shot at the age of 39. Martin Luther King, the drum major for justice, you know the story. He was assassinated at the age of 39. On Memorial Day of this year, our brother, Brother George Floyd, Floyd, he was assassinated, he was murdered at the age of 46. And at the onset of the text that we have read before you, I need you to understand, here is Jesus at the ripe age of 30. Here is Jesus at the ripe age of 30 years of age. And those of you who read your Bible, you know he's getting ready to die. I'll get you to see this one more time, that as a revolutionary, there are sometimes we'll have to just deal with the fact that all of us won't reach what we consider to be old age. And that means to say someone is going to have to pay the price or someone has already paid the price for you and I to have an opportunity right now today to take the torch and move the mantle forward, that you and I can pay it forward because someone has already paid it forward for you and I. And the question becomes, how are we going to handle this moment in time because we are now in prime position to take what our forefathers have done, to take what the revolutionaries and the revolutionists that came before us has done, and we can take that and build upon what they have laid as far as the groundwork is, work is concerned, and now we can move forward how do we move forward when you're mad at hell because when you begin the process of breaking it down I don't know about you I'm um, sometimes you just get mad but I need you to understand what I just said because somebody um, just got all up in their feelings because I used the word hell I'll get into that in a minute but notice I said mad at hell at is a preposition I use the preposition Hello, somebody. I, I did not use I did not use the adverb. I'll tell you about the adverb in a minute. I did not use the adverb as I used the preposition at. I'm mad at hell because at stands as as a, as a D mark of a way of expressing my location. It's where I am at this particular moment. And where I am at this particular moment, I'm at a state and a scene and a scenario and a situation and a point in my life where I am literally ticked off. I'm at my wit's end of seeing how um, we are unjustly treated in this place we call America, the land of the free, home of the brave. And yet every week, every month, it seems like we see another senseless murder after murder after murder. And you would think we would be to the point where we have risen above all of those things that had divided us. Because when we look back over our life and over the existence of the country that we live in, God has still been good to us. And yet and still, I have reached the point where I am mad at hell. What do you do when you're mad at hell? Let me make sure you understand. I did not say mad as hell. That word as is an adverb. 
And I need us to get this in our spirit that we'll understand the difference uh, because we've seen all kinds of protests. We've seen all kinds of marches. We've seen people rioting. We've seen people looting. We've pe seen people screaming and shouting on airways, on social media, on TV. And we've seen all of that. But I need you to understand as a child of God, you can be mad at hell, but you are not allowed to be mad as hell because as simply means it's a place or comparison where you have risen to the degree of which is to say now you have become what you are mad at and the Lord will allow us to understand you have a right to get angry but you cannot become as your enemy and when you say I'm mad as hell using the advert what you're saying is now their nature has become my nature their way of thinking has become my way of thinking their way of acting has become my way of acting but the Bible says to the believers that you and I have a responsibility to be angry but sin not that you and I have a responsibility to allow us and others to understand that we can bless the name of the Lord in every situation that we find ourselves in and that's why why David said I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make her boast in the Lord the humble shall hear thereof and be glad oh magnify the Lord with me why not because everything was pleasant in his life but because he had been spending time with God in his life and when you spend time with God you can walk in the nature of God and now David says I will bless the Lord because he was mad at the situation he was not a part of the situation and so when we look at the text that we have before us today it allows us to know that there's a difference in when it's in in what we consider hell and when you look at the bible the bible denotes hell in two ways hell is used in the bible as a as a word a, a, a hebrew word called sheol S-H-E-O-L. And that word Sheol simply means a place of darkness. It's a place where the spirits go to reside in darkness. It's a place where the dead go. It's considered a grave. It's considered a pit. It's considered a living hell. Sheol is used in the Bible to denote hell, but you need to understand that there is a difference between Sheol hell and Hades hell. Sheol hell is a place called a grave. It's a place called a pit. And in case you didn't understand, you'll see that in Genesis 35, in Genesis 37, verse number 35. Here is what you'll discover in Genesis 37, verse number 35. When Jacob received the news that his son Joseph had been killed, you know, he was thrown in a pit by his brothers and left for dead. And when they came back, they discovered, Reuben discovered that he was no longer in the pit so they had to go relay the information to the father Jacob and tell Jacob that his his beloved child is now dead Jacob says to his family I'm going to hell to mourn the death of my son here is the word that was used for hell it's the first time we have it in scripture it's the word Sheol and he says I'm going to Sheol I'm going to the pit and I'm going to mourn the loss of my child it's 
equivalent to you and I when we go to Houston Memorial Garden or Paradise South, when we go to the cemetery and we look at a tombstone or a grave to the grave site and we look and we begin to pray and we begin to talk, we begin to cry, we leave flowers and that kind of thing. That's what Jacob is saying. I'm going to the site where my son was last seen, where we last left my son and I'm going to mourn the spot of Sheol. Here is what Jacob is saying. I'm on my way to hell, but I'm going just to mourn the fact that I had a loss. And family, I need you to get this picture that is being painted in Matthew chapter 21 because it allows us to know that there's a difference between Sheol and Hades. Let me make sure you get Hades um, before I press on. Hades is the permanent place of the dead. Hades is that place that we have described for us in book of Revelations where it says, Hades, you're going to be thrown into what's called the lake of fire. What do you mean by the lake of fire? Hades is the place where eternal torment and torture takes place. Hades is the place that was described in the book of Luke. When you get to Luke and you look at Luke 16, you hear about how a rich man treated a beggar and that rich man would not give the beggar the crumbs off of his table. And the Bible says when the rich man refused to give the beggar the crumbs off of his table that the rich man died and when the rich man died he woke up and found himself in Hades hell and he was being tormented and when he looked up out of Hades he looked up and saw that poor beggar in the bosoms of the Lord and when he looked up and saw that poor beggar in the bosom of the Lord he says to the Lord hey Lord can you allow that poor beggar who I would not even give the crumbs off of my table to dip his finger in some water and let one drop fall on my tongue because I'm tormented down here. I'm being tortured down here. I'm in Hades, which is an eternal place of damnation and I need some relief and the Lord said, no, you can't get any relief because what you did in your living life you now have to pay for in the afterlife. And I need you to understand there is a difference between Sheol and Hades. Why is that important? It's important because when we jump to Matthew chapter 21, here is what we discover. We discover that that drum major for justice by the name of Jesus himself shows up because he knew the people were in trouble. He knew the people were being misused and abused. He knew that the people were being taken advantage of. He knew that there was a power structure in place that was not serving the people, but they were serving themselves. He knew that there were too many Trayvon Martins. He knew there were too many Sandra Blands. He knew there was too many Eric Garners. He shows up to allow them to understand that simply enough is enough and I've got to make sure that you understand that you need to change your wicked ways and if you don't want to change your wicked ways voluntarily then I have a system that I'll put in place that will force you to change your ways but I need you to understand you better voluntarily change before you get forced to change because a voluntary change means you can spend some time in she but you won't have to spend eternity in 
Hades. But if I have to force you to change, you need to understand you're going to deal with Sheol on this side, but you won't have to deal with Hades on the other side. And so Jesus shows up and allows us to understand that I will come to the defense of my father. And the defense of my father has to do with my father's people. And when my father's people are in trouble, that's why the Lord allowed me to show up on this place called earth that I can do what they cannot do. That's why I'm considered their substitute because there are some things that they cannot do, but I have the power to do. Now, I need you to understand what I'm about to say to you right now because so many people never, ever, ever talk about this Jesus right here. They always say he's meek, he's mild, he's a lamb. But when you read Matthew chapter 21, you discover that even Jesus knows there's a time to be mad at hell. Even Jesus knew there was a time where you had to just draw a line in the sand and allow them to understand weak don't mean punk. Hello. Allow them to understand being mild-mannered don't mean that I can continue to be taken advantage of. There's a time where you have to understand where Jesus even teaches us the concept and the precepts of how to handle hell when you are mad at hell. Uh, it's right here in the text. Here is what it begins to say. It says the first thing Jesus did, y'all, here's what he did. He says, it says he flipped over some tables. Did y'all hear what I just said? And we don't talk about that Jesus. We, he, he flipped over some tables. When you read the context and you break it down in the Greek, it says he, he, drove, the, he drove those sitting at the tables when he flipped over the table. It's a Greek word called ek, ekbalo. And, and when you look at that word ekbalo, that's what it is, ekbalo. When you look at that word ekbalo, here's what it simply means. It means that I've got to explain you and then what the Lord is letting us to know you got to get to the point when you get mad at hell you got to flip some things over you got to turn some things over you got to change some mindsets you got to change some ideologies you got to change some precepts and concepts you cannot keep asking them to do for you what you see they will not do for you you got to be bold enough and bad enough to walk in the building of the Lord and allow them to know I will not take it in another further and Jesus allows us to see in Matthew 21 that even Jesus got mad at hell and the Bible says he didn't pray for him anymore he flipped the tables over okay okay some of y'all think I'm making it up but I'm not making it up if you look at it it's sitting right here in the book of Matthew Matthew chapter 12 it's it chapter 21 verse number 12 says Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice he knocked over the tables he knocked over the money changers he knocked over he flipped it over that's what he did he said enough is enough you didn't understand Martin so here goes Malcolm you didn't understand Peter so let me show you what the opposite of peace is and now Jesus says when you get mad at hell you need to know how to address hell wait I need you to get what I'm saying I am not saying for you to go riot I am not saying for you to go burn down no building but what Jesus was sharing with us right here the first thing that needs to be flipped over is how you view yourself. The first thing that needs to be changed is how we treat each other. 
Oh, did y'all hear what I just said? Um, because I've been in church long enough to understand that church hurt is some of the worst hurt. And some of the people that hurt me in church look just like me. And so what I have to understand is the first thing that needs to be changed is how we treat each other. How I treat those that despitefully misuse me. How I treat those that I believe are on my side only to discover that they're trying to stab me in the back. How do I treat those that I'm in contact with on a regular basis? How do I treat those that come in to what we call the house of the Lord and praise the name of the Lord and still treat me by a, like anything but a child of the Lord. I've got to learn how to change how I deal with those that don't treat me the way I'm supposed to be treated. And Jesus said, you need to flip over that mindset. What do you mean flip over that mindset? I cannot allow your spirit to infect my spirit, but I've got to love the hell out of you. And then if I can't just love the hell out of you, I've got to change some circumstances and situations that you'll understand that my love for you sometimes causes you to have a little pain behind it. That's what my mama told me. She said, boy, I'm only whooping you because I love you. I didn't think that was love because I was in pain. But here's what I do know. I knew that it was love because even though I was in pain, she still had her hand on me. Hello, somebody. Family, sometimes you got to shout because even when the Lord whoops us, I was shouting. He still had his hand on us. And anytime the hand of the Lord is on us, we're still in a blessed situation. Come on, sometimes you just got to take your whooping and tell God I apologize, but I'm thankful that you did not take your hand off of me. Come on, is it anybody that know you've made a ton of mistakes? You've made a bunch of errors? You know you've gone astray? You know you've done some things, said some things, and gone some places, and the Lord should have took his hand off of you, but even though he had to chastise you, even though he had to whoop you, even though he had to give you the rod of correction, he still had his hand on you. Will anybody thank God for not taking his hand? I want to tell God, thank you. I had to cry, but you still kept your hands on me. I had to weep, but you still kept your hands on me. It didn't feel good, but you still kept your hands on me. So, Lord, I want to tell you, thank you, because when people walked out, you kept on walking in. When people criticized me, you kept on speaking life into my life. When people threw me out, you kept on opening the door and bringing me back in. Sometimes you just got to tell God, thank you, because what the Lord did, he flipped over my outlook on life, and now I don't see the Lord like I used to see the Lord. Now can't nobody shake my faith in God, because I know, come hell or high water, my God is still large and in charge. There ain't nothing that my God can't handle. Wait a minute. I believe somebody else can testify. My God is bigger than that. I believe somebody else can testify. My God can handle that. I believe there's somebody else that can testify. Anything in the hands of my God, my God can take care of. Is it anybody in here right now that can testify? I'm shouting because I know that my God can handle that. Come on, what is your that? What do you need the Lord to handle? Can I tell you this? He can handle that. What have you been struggling with all week long? Can I tell you this? He can handle that. 
Why have you been pacing the floor and crying about all week long? Can I tell you this? He can handle that. If you know God can handle that, right where you are, why don't you put your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care? If you believe your God can handle it, somebody say, what you gotta know a table may be flipped but he still can handle it some things have to be destroyed but he still can handle it you may have to go through sickness but he still can handle it you may have lost a job but he still can handle it you may have buried a loved one But he still can handle it. Somebody can testify. Can't nobody. Do me like Jesus. And Jesus gives us the prescription. He comes to bring about change. And he says the first place change got to take place is in your heart and in your mind. Did, Did you hear what I just said? We've got to change our heart and our mind. Come on, I'm almost done. We got ready to get ready to take communion. Here, here it is. He says when Jesus came in, he flipped over. That's what he did. He flipped over. Did you hear me? He flipped over the tables. He flipped over the, the money changers table. And he, he allowed them to understand, I'm sick and tired of you taking advantage of the blessings that my father has given unto you. Hey, hey America, that's all that's taking place right now. Uh, Jesus showed up and flipped some things over. You thought 2020 was going to be the greatest year of America. Can I tell you, I believe it has been because God has flipped over the power structure and ain't nothing they can do about it. It started with a something called COVID-19. It started with something called corona that shut the whole country down and you thought that was bad enough and all of a sudden the Lord let you understand that if you don't change the way you treat people I've got something more in store for you and that's what's going on right now and I still say we win in 10 because God has given us a new perspective on life and a new walk with him and I believe somebody right now because of all we've gone through in the last 90 days you are closer to the Lord now than you have ever been in your life. Can, can, I, can, I take, can I take just 13 seconds and pull the room right now, right where you are? Has God shown you anything in the last 90 days that has just simply blown your mind? Has God revealed to you anything in the last 90 days that has simply blown your mind? Sometimes you just got to pause for a minute and tell God, thank you, because when Jesus showed up he gives us a new mindset and based on the new mindset now we're looking for new results here here is the new result he says now you need to embrace your authority hey hey i know i i know i get excited but i need you to understand he says when you get mad at hell first thing you need to do you need to flip over some stuff 
You need to change the way you view stuff. You need to change the way you see church. You need to change the way you see your life. You need to change the way you see your family. You need to change the way you see your finances. You need to change the way you see your health. You need to change how you view life. He says, but not only do you need to change that, he says, then you need to understand. You need to understand. Y'all get this. Um, don't get mad at me when I tell you this. He said, but then there's some people you need to kick out. Okay. Um, some of y'all didn't want to hear that. But let me say it again. There are some people you need to kick out. Now listen, when you embrace your power, Kiki, some people ain't going to like you. Because some people only like you as long as they think they can control you. Oh, you better hear me. Um, when you walk in the giftings that God has given you, some people are threatened by the giftings that God has given you. Because they don't have what you have. And even if they're threatened by it, ain't nothing they can do about it. And sometimes you just got to look at them and say, I don't know why you're mad at me. I didn't give it to myself. It's just called favor. Did you hear what I just said? I just set somebody free. You want to know why attack is coming in your family? You want to know why attack is coming in your life? You want to know why you are constantly under attack, constantly being criticized? You want to know why if it ain't one thing, it's two more? It is because favor ain't fair. But when you have favor, you don't have to worry about the attack that's coming your way because favor makes a way out of no way. And I believe somebody can testify. That's, that's all I can tell you is I don't know how he did it. I just shout because because I know he did it and that's because favor ain't there can, can I can I can I stop with this right here when you get mad at hell you got to embrace the power that God has given you you got to embrace the giftings that God has given you and here is what Jesus says there are some people you got to kick out he says you got to learn how to walk in your authority here here is how the bible puts it this way he allows you to understand should call you that you are the head and not the tail he allows you to understand that you have been called to be the lender and not the borrower he allows you to understand you are light not darkness he allows you to understand that you are the progenitor of life he allows you to understand who you are in him and when he allows you to understand who you are in him there are always going to be adversaries that don't like who you are in the Lord and what they don't want you to know is they don't want you to know who you are in God because as long as you don't know who you are in God you'll never live up to who you are in God and so when you're not living up to who you are in God they are your friends but when you start getting a glimpse of who you are in God and they can no longer dictate to you and control you all of a sudden they have a problem with you and that's where Jesus shows up and he says when I know who I am and you don't like it I'm not going to argue with you I'm just going to put you out and I need you to understand this nobody voluntarily gives up power y'all didn't hear what I just said see you've been waiting on them politicians you've been waiting on all them folk to treat you right but nobody voluntarily gives up power and so Jesus says you got to demand your power did you hear what I just said he says he says you got to demand your power I, I'm stopping right here but here is what he says he says when you get mad at hell first thing you got to do flip over your mindset flip over your outlook on life Flip over how you view your life, your purpose. 
flip over how you look at church flip over how you look at your family your children flip over how you look at the world that we're living in and then he says then when you flip that over you got to put some people out <clears throat> i'm out of here but let me ask you a question jermaine um 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 what's holding you back god has given us everything we need and everything we need means you got to see who's in your circle because I can guarantee you there's somebody in your circle that's holding you back. When you get to Matthew 21, here is the Bible. Here's what the Bible says, and I'm done because we got to take communion. But here's what the Bible says. It was the folk who were called religious leaders who was holding the people back. Did y'all hear that? It was folk who were called religious leaders who was connected with the politicians of the day and all of a sudden the politicians and the religious leaders had hooked up together and they were holding the people back. But my shout is, is even though they tried to hold the people back, Jesus showed up. And somebody knows that you can do what you want to do, but don't mess around and allow Jesus to show up. Because when Jesus shows up, things begin to change. And that's why he said in his word, if I be lifted up from the earth I'll draw all men unto me and family I need you to understand Jesus allows us to know this all we got to do is walk in the power that he's given us walk in the authority that he's given us break the cycle that we're in and begin to lift up Jesus because can't nobody do you like Jesus and I want to raise this question as we move on into communion when was the last time you spent a whole day just lifting up Jesus Hey, family, we lift up issues. We lift up problems. We lift up concerns. We lift up things that are not going the way we want them to go. But my question to you today is when you got mad at hell, did you lift up Jesus? I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to take one day and make that a day of lifting up Jesus. You want to know what's next? Here it is. We raised the question at the panel with the young ladies on yesterday. What's next? Can I tell you what's next? We've got to get, begin the process or get back to the process of lifting up Jesus. Let me make sure you understand that. That does not mean we weak. That does not mean we soft. And can I throw this out here? That does not mean we turn the other cheek. Because they didn't beat us on every cheek we have. And we don't have another one left to turn. So none of that means that we turn another cheek. All that simply means is when you lift up Jesus, he gives you what you need to handle the situation that you're in. You cannot move out of emotional state of humanity. You've got to move out of divine state of the Lord. And the Lord will give us divine guidance. Hey, family, I want to encourage you today to lift up Jesus. Here's what he did flipped over the table grabbed the whip said to the power structure you wouldn't voluntarily move now let me whoop you up out of here did you hear what I just said you wouldn't voluntarily exit you wouldn't voluntarily treat us right don't worry about it I have a whip for you now let me whoop you up out of here if you're mad at hell AT. If you're mad at hell, why don't you join me in lifting up Jesus?
Hasn't the Lord been good to you? Haven't the Lord proven to you that he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory? Haven't the Lord proven to you that he does know the plans that he has for you? Plans to prosper you? Plans to give you a prosperous end? Haven't the Lord proven to you but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength? shall mount up on wings as eagles, shall run and not be weary, shall walk and not faint, having the Lord proven it to you. I'm saying to us today, if you're like me, I'm mad at hell. But I will not become mad as hell. I will not become the enemy to try to deal with the enemy. I will remain in the divine admonitions of the Lord. I will remain in the spirit of God. I'm mad, but I'm mad enough to know to draw nearer to the Lord. That's why we're going to focus on Calvary for these last few minutes. Right where you are, if you begin to get your communion elements together. Here is what I'm saying. I'm saying Jesus reminds us the power that we have when we connect with him. Right where you are, do you know Jesus is still able? Right, right, right where you are. Do you know that the price has already been paid? Do you know that he's already paid for that? Do you know that the sacrifice has already taken place? Do you know that you are no longer bound by the mistakes of your past? And so Jesus called his disciples together. And he said to them, this is my body. It's been beaten, it's been broken, it's been battered, it's been torn. But I need you to remember my body, the sacrifice. He says, as often as you do this, you do show that you remember Jesus went to Calvary. my death, my burial, and my resurrection. So we eat. Let's eat. And he said, the wine represents the New Testament of my blood. So we drink. Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. That's love. Come on, let me hear you. Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. Oh, that's love. Come on, you can say it in your home with us. Come on. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head. For me, he died. That's love. That's love. Oh, but that's not Come on, how. Y'all. But that's not how the story ends. Cause in three days, he rose again. That's love. 
Come on, come on. That's love. That's not how. But that's not how the story ends. In three days, he rose again. That's love. That's love. Oh, that's why my heart. That's why my heart is filled with praise. Oh, that's why. That's why my heart is filled with praise. One more time. Oh, that's why my heart is filled 